Good morning and welcome to another episode of Fret Buzz the Podcast. My name is Aaron Sefcik. And I'm Joe McMurray. Awesome. And today we're going to talk a little bit about some live concerts and the importance behind going out and seeing live material uh, and how that plays a role into you as a musician and what it's all about. Yeah, I mean, as a musician, you need you need to fuel your fire. And a lot of times that can be as easy as listening to a great track. And But sometimes it's even more powerful to go out and see live music. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there's nothing like coming away from a live show and just witnessing the whole production of things, whether it's on a small, a small scale or a large scale. Um, I've been to plenty of concerts with both and everything in between. Um, I mean, it's, it's really where it's at. I mean, I know a lot of us are bedroom or studio <laughs> rock stars, uh, but that dream of kind of taking that that's that that step further is is where it's really at um you know all those hours of rehearsal in a basement or in a garage or wherever it's at and um putting it all together getting that set list crafting it making sure that you're opening with the cool ones and closing with the cool ones and you know thinking about how (laughs) when you close with a certain song you don't want to make sure that the you lose your crowd to go to the bar or i mean there's a whole bunch that goes into the live set and making sure that it's it's perfectly crafted it's it, extremely important and there's no better way to to learn how to craft a better set list than to go watch the best of the best do it and then also it's been really helpful for me at times to see not professional bands uh, sometimes play set lists that maybe aren't put together in the best way. And to see the the opposite, to see people, you know, to see them lose an audience is, you learn just as much from that as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. I know Learning what not to do. Yeah. I know with my, my, my job, um, it is kind of interesting because I get the opportunity to listen to all of my bands and all the other bands. And we do get to go through that critique of, listening to exactly the set list that they performed and um, the way that they performed it, all that that goes into it. It's kind of interesting. Um, A couple weeks ago, a bunch of my colleagues and I sat around and and did just that. And we were talking about, you know, maybe this wasn't the exactly the best um, setup in terms of uh, set list. Um, Maybe their performance wasn't exactly good or uh, it was a battle of the bands we were kind of talking about and how, um, we thought that it wasn't their best performance and the reasons why. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of interesting. That's for sure. So what, what's a concert, Aaron, that you've been to where you came away or even in the middle of it, you felt like they were putting on an incredible show and you realized it while you're in the moment or right after the show. And maybe what was it that caused you to feel that way? Well, hands down, I know exactly what that is, but I know I, what you're going to say too. <laughs> I think. Uh, okay. Um, I have to be careful with this though, because I can't, there is a certain factor for me that has a, tends to throw its bias where 
depending on where you're sitting in the venue, plays a huge role in terms of how much you can enjoy your time at the concert. Mm-hmm. Had I been in, you know, in the sticks, out, you know, or out in the field or up in the bleachers, I may not have had such a good time. Um, so I have a little bit of a skewed view, but hands down, it would have to be Rush. Oh, it's not who I thought you were going to say. Okay. All right. I thought it was going to be a Metallica concert. Uh, no, I mean, I'll get, oh, as we go on and uh, I'll definitely get into my Metallica stories. And I, I did have my moments with Metallica and they were absolutely amazing. I really were. But for me, seventh row rush on their 30th tour, 30th tour. Okay. Um, was from the get go absolutely just i mean i'm getting chills as i talk about it now. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was amazing to see just three guys and they they'd been in it and they were at the top of not i wouldn't say the top of their peak but they were up there i mean mm-hmm. they'd, they'd craft their they'd hone their craft and it's just getty so freaking good at vocals well people that's debatable amongst millions of people, but I grew an appreciation for Getty. Um, I was one of those people who did not like Getty. I was more of a yes fan when I was younger, um, but I grew an appreciation for Getty and what he does. And through that, I now actually enjoy Getty's voice. Um, but in the fact that he plays a killer bass, um, the fact that he sings and he plays the synths all at the same time, Alex Lyson may not be the best guitarist in the world, but boy, oh boy, can that boy play, man. He's, he's really good. Yeah. Uh, and then last but not least, obviously, Neil's just, he's a powerhouse. There's, I mean, he's a machine. He's one of the best drummers in the world. And you put those three together and that sound that just came out of just the three of them blew away all concerts that I'd seen before. It was just this energy that I'd never felt. It was was amazing. (laughs) It was just like, wow, this is intense, and they're really, really good. Now, again, that may have been because I had been seventh row, but I've seen other concerts first row um, that I didn't get that same feeling out of. So I don't know. And at the time, they weren't even my, like my favorite band in the world. It was just like, sweet, I just get to go see Rush. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, one of my students, she had just finished her dissertation, um, and she was leaving the studio. Um, she's like, well, I'm leaving, so here's two tickets to go see Rush. And I was like, you're, you're seriously giving me these tickets to go see Rush? She's like, yep, and they're seventh row. Here you go. And I was like, <gasps> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you're the best student ever. <laughs> so, yeah, that was just by far one of the best concerts I've ever walked away from going, wow, that's that's pretty amazing. I, I didn't realize that you could – I mean, I at that time, I'd been to many, many concerts, um, but I didn't realize the feeling that I could get from something like that. That was just purely blowing me away. How about you? Yeah, well, I mean, that's awesome. I've never – never had the opportunity to see rush and i've i've definitely not seen a lot of the old classic rock bands that i grew up listening to at first but um 
one of the more powerful experiences that happened to me, um, you know, I, I've been to a lot of festivals, like big festivals, and we'll get into that later. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one that really comes to mind as being influential in just my general excitement about I don't know, a genre of music and kind of crafting my own music. I was in Asheville, North Carolina back in, I think it was 2014 or 15. And uh, I saw, it was 2015. I saw the band uh, Big Something playing at the Asheville Music Hall. And they're a band that's relatively new. I mean, they've been out for at least five years now. But I know I've heard of them. I know I've heard them before. Probably from me. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm, I've been excited about this band for since the moment I saw them, but uh, I had never heard of them. And we just walked into this place, wanting to see some live music. And uh, they are a touring jam band and uh, they have this kind of electronic side to them also. Okay. But definitely like their lead guitarist is, I mean, he's an awesome rock jam band guitarist. They've got a, a saxophone player who also plays a electronic saxophone sometimes. Okay. And he plays both during the show and they've got a keys synth player. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just struck by being in the Asheville music hall filled with people dancing to instrumental music more than I had. I've seen most places. I mean, festivals, you see it, but, and I love, you know, nighttime jam bands, everybody's dancing and like really enjoying instrumental musicianship. Right. Um, you know, you're, it's the kind of thing, like, if you're not seeing it live, it's lost on a lot of people. But when you experience that sort of thing live, watching a band explore musically um, in a way that's got a, the whole crowd dancing and engaged like that, mm-hmm. I it really made me an instant fan of the band. And um, I actually started, it influenced my music and the directions I was trying to take my bands at the time. Just because I, you know, especially like Albino Rhino was doing a lot of, we were in that kind of genre. We were funkier, but it was uh, to see the response from a crowd like that really struck me. Right. And I I think it was the, they grooved so hard was part of it. Like it was dancey, but very much, you know, touching on Almond Brothers and Fish and all the things that I like. And uh, yeah, it struck me. Uh, Asheville's got a a great vibe in general, and Asheville right. Music Hall is a cool, you know, couple hundred people fit in there. Okay, that's really my favorite size venue to see a show. Right. right. I mean, people who've gone to there's so many people out there that say they've oh I've seen this band or that band and you know they saw them at Altel Pavilion or whatever one of the big the big pavilions and. It's like you said, if you're out in the grass in the lawn, it's a completely different experience than being either up close at one of those big concerts Mm. or in a small venue where, I mean, just the acoustics are so much different inside. The energy is completely different. Yeah. When you go see a a concert of any sort, you you always have to take into account the venue and... Mm -hmm and understand that it's going to highly dictate your experience. Um, I, as uh, I think most people would say that, you know, the smaller the venue, 
the more intimate and the more enjoyable of an experience. Um, arena and, you know, the big stadium concerts, they can be cool because you're amongst thousands, ten thousands, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. And that's cool on a level. Um, but I don't know that you can get that intimacy with the band that you can within a, a smaller venue. Um, they are definitely good to go to festivals. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, that's one of those things that you have to experience in your life. That's just awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I like that intimacy, whether it's in a, you know, you know, a couple hundred people within a, a, a small little venue, or I do like theater um, concerts as well. I, I like going into a nice concert hall and, and having some good seats and being able to, to see somebody like Pat Metheny. I, I enjoyed yeah. something like that. That's really good. Um, but yeah. Uh, so, okay. Uh, let's take it back. Um, where did your concert journey begin? Oh man. That's difficult because I'm not entirely sure what my first concert was. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I think I saw Dave Matthews at the. Ooh. I think it was the Altel Pavilion in Raleigh. Okay. I, I was late to the game. My parents didn't really go to a lot of live shows. Like they weren't going to big concerts. That's for, that's for sure. Right, right. Um. So they didn't take me as a kid, and then I kind of. I don't know if I was late high school when I finally went to my own first concert. So I was late to the game. Okay. Um, but I, I think it was Dave Matthews and it was awesome. I mean, I, I had never seen anything like that, but I was just out in the grass. Okay. Did he have, do you know if he had an opener? Oh man. Nope. <laughs> I, I don't remember. I'm sure he did, but uh, right, right, right. I, right. I do remember. <laughs> I, I have a better memory of my second concert and that was seeing Tom Petty oh, play okay. at, and I think the Black Crows opened. Wow. And I didn't know who the Black Crows were at the time. Right. And I became a huge fan of the Black Crows, and they've kind of always been an influence on my go-to blues rock kind of sound. Yeah. I mean, just I like playing that. I like listening to that kind of music. Yeah. Um, I, would, I would see that right up your alley. Yes, I could see yeah. that. But I, I mean, Tom Petty, of course, was amazing and i was listening to lots of tom petty at the time and Hmm. and a thing about tom petty that struck me is like they're not like the kind of band you listen to and you're like oh the guitar playing and tom petty is so good like right right right, it's not bad or anything but it's it's not like doesn't make you think of awesome guitar but live their guitarist was pretty awesome i mean the even from a tone standpoint he he had like a different guitar for every song and he had, yeah, they just had a good sound of them. They've obviously, they had been doing it for a long time. Mm. They had honed their act and the audience was, you know, loves them. So yeah, I yeah. enjoyed that a lot. I would have liked to have seen Tom Petty. I, I, I had the chance, I had the opportunity and I did not get to see him. Um, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 
Tom's it's, awesome. It's feel good music. Yeah, it is. It, it really is. And like you said, it's not about any one instrument, really. It's the overall sound and the, you know, just being able to hear Tom and the band and mm-hmm. uh, anyone like uh, the traveling Woolberries, you know, that would have been yeah. cool to go see those guys perform. And, and it's again, it's not necessarily you're not going to go see Roy Orbison because of his guitar playing or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You're just going to kind of go because of the overall sound. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, great. Sometimes when you're writing your own music, you have to step back and think about people like Tom Petty that, you know, a lot of his songs are pretty simple and people love them. Yeah. I mean, no. It's hard to I, recreate that, but yeah. yeah, keep you grounded sometimes. I was just having a conversation with you before we started the show about, you know, I'm in now in a songwriting um, critique class we're doing every month. We're doing a new, uh, a new song. Uh, and I went into this first month just way too hard. I, I'm overcomplicating things, and I've, I've already said that next month I'm I'm going to like a GCD chord. <laughs> 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 because I, I, I think that's part of it. I think that, uh, yes, it's important for all of us as artists to push ourselves, and we at Fret Buzz, uh, you know, talk about that a lot in terms of expanding your musical knowledge and, and trying new things out. But at the same time, you do have to keep that overall kind of sight of, you know, just make sure the song is good. That's, that's really what it's all about. And, you know, people like Tom Petty and um, those guys knew that that was, it was really about the heart of the song and being able to kind of sing along and enjoy just the soul of it. You don't really have to get into these killer licks that I see all over Instagram all the time. These people are like, blah, 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 and you're like, that's cool and everything. But I don't know. I, 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 there's a part of me that loves that. Um, a colleague of mine were, and I were talking about like born of Osiris the other day and, um, some metal, um, uh, metal artists uh that we were, we were talking about um and how that's really intense of music and there's a lot of technique and technical abilities going into all of that um but sometimes you know just listening to something like tom petty is is good that's 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 kind of important to be able to just get to the root of the song and maybe it is something like just a you know what is it um pre-fallen is like yeah the d the sus yeah that's what it is so yeah i mean perfect (laughs) yeah Uh, it's it's a great teach i love teaching pre-fallen to kids they just learn their d chord and it's like it's so distinct it's so simple and it sounds so much like the song like as soon as you go from a d to a d sus four back to the d and then to the d sus two like yeah it's pre-fallen my seven-year-old student can do it and they let like it gets them excited yeah yeah absolutely yeah you know you're not gonna hook in young people to your you know to be fans of your band if they it's harder to do so i think if if they can't connect with it the same way if somebody can play your song or sing your melody they're gonna connect with it and probably remember it and want to listen to it more yeah i have definitely I've noticed a change in myself over the past couple of years. It's especially apparent to me since I've not been playing in bands as much. Um, I used to be like, my goal was to be the best lead guitarist 
possible was kind of my what I always wanted back when I was playing in bands. And, you know, that was studying Paul Gilbert and Joe Bonamassa and Eric Johnson and trying to implement those types of techniques into my soloing. And I, I've played out so many times now. I think I've played like 280 shows in, in Virginia Beach now or in this region. Okay. And I don't get the response that I always dreamed of. You know, I can pull off some of the things that I always wanted to be able to do. And the response is often lackluster. There's sometimes there's a musician in the crowd. That's like that thing you did was awesome. That's like, if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of times you get like one guy who's right. into it, but like, you know, you're at a, at a venue full of people and people like the melodic songs. And I think I have, I haven't wanted decided that all of a sudden I want to like just become a guy with an acoustic guitar right. strumming and singing simple songs, but I've it's driven me more towards the melodic side of jazz and the you know the solo finger style stuff mm. like what we were talking about with Dustin the other day. Yeah, Dustin week. Furlow in our um finger style episode. Um just being able to carry a full song, melody and harmony and make it like to be able to be sitting outside around a campfire and to play something that sounds beautiful and complete and enjoyable to me and everybody else. Like you're not going to sit around a campfire and run some flashy pentatonic patterns and no jazz licks. No, for the most part, nobody cares. Yeah. Uh, they might. Just, think. Yeah. I was just listening to a podcast myself and the same, same exact subject came up where the artist was talking about how, you know, you can learn all these crazy scales and lead lines and everything like that. But ultimately nobody, it's not that they don't care. It's just the bar where you actually connect with that is so it, it just doesn't happen. People don't connect with that as much as if, like you said, you can't fire a couple chords, sing along. Cause it's really about mostly, mostly songs are about vocals and the melody line and, and, mm -hmm. and that, that connection that's what people hear and that's what people want to kind of feel um i, I hate to say that because i'm you know i i love lead guitar and i have been driven by it for decades now yeah <laughs> you know and I, it's I've incredibly in, fun to play yeah and i've been in technical metal bands and i love that t intensity of it but ultimately um the majority of people don't really think of music like that. They just don't. And that's okay. That's, that's, a, that's, that's it is what it is. Um, and you either embrace that or you don't. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been just, I've been digging on the acoustic finger style so much recently. And I heard this song by Don Ross, who Dustin had suggested we listen to. Okay. Um, the guy is awesome on the acoustic guitar like he's awesome sick don ross any anyway i listened to this song called klimbim it's k-l-i-m-b-i-m -I -M. okay and i listened to it and i just i i was so taken in i think i listened to it like 10 times in a row wow i i mean i was doing other stuff around the house but i couldn't stop listening and i like he does some cool harmonics and percussive stuff on his guitar at the beginning mm. 
but the part that really drew me in was the the main melody is just such a good melody and it's so full because he's you know he's doing finger style so he's got the chords and the right melody at the same time and he's getting some percussive elements and to hear one man play something that complete on the acoustic guitar i mean i've I've been learning it for the past four days and uh yeah i really want to go see more shows like that Hmm. uh, if you haven't heard klimbim by don ross i think it's a great example of like the melody is not that complicated it's a little complicated to add the chords and stuff right um and there are obviously technical things he's doing that are impressive but just to hear something like that, it's it's having a strong melody. It goes back to Tom Petty. Yeah. And yeah, it doesn't have to be flashy, but if the group plays cohesively and they play as a band, that's why it's called, that's why it's a band yeah. and not like, you know, Joe Satriani and some guys he paid to play with him. <laughs> Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, I guess his name isn't it. That's not a great example. But yeah, but it's the Heartbreakers. They're just as much as the band as, as he is. It's not, it's, you know, they, they fill out that sound. If you just give it Tom, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing, but it's, it is, it is the full band, no matter who you go see. I mean, I'm, as you're saying that I'm thinking about all the people that I've seen that, that are not the band anymore. Uh, it's just a single artist. Mm-hmm. I've got a, I've got a whole book of them. Um, it, it, it's more than just that person. Sure. I'm definitely going to see that one person, even if they are a solo artist, but uh, even on their own, uh, unless it's someone like like our guest Dustin, who does his own thing, and even Dustin at the time plays with somebody mm-hmm. um, to kind of get that fuller sound and to be able to play off of other people. That's extremely important uh, to be able to watch a musician up on stage do their solo thing, but then you know give the head nod or whatever it is, and do the other person have them take it away and then play off of each other. That's a very organic and very cool thing to witness and hear. Uh, I, I enjoy that process. And you get a lot of that with the jam band type of a, a environment as well. Yeah. The jam band environment, it's, it's easy to see it and connect with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it happens constantly and continuously in jazz concerts. And yes. it's amazing. It's just a little harder for people to understand what's happening. It's just not, not as clear sometimes. Yeah. There was a, uh, towards my end years at Penn state, uh, there was, and still is to this day, a bar that's underground called bar blue and they deck it out and, you know, neon blue lights and everything. But mm-hmm. it was a jazz club on Thursday nights. Uh, and there'd be like little jazz trios or quartets down there. And I'd love to go down there and just sit in the corner and just listen to those guys. And it's very cool to be able to hear that, that, that interplay between all of them. Just very interesting. Yeah. I mean, jazz people, a lot of times the rhythm section behind a, uh, this person playing a solo, they will, they'll react to the, something that the solo player might be doing rhythmically mm-hmm. and they'll start imitating that or playing in the off beats when they stop. Like it's really cool to watch good jazz players do that. Yes. Cause it's like, they just did that because of something somebody else did. Yep. And it, yep. it's really fun. It's yep. really, you can learn a lot from watching that. Yeah. Closely. Very, very in the moment for them. That's for mm-hmm. sure. 
it's like there's a language that's organically happening on stage and you're like ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah it's like when a great place to see it is when people trade fours or something in a jazz tune and they you know for if you haven't seen that it's for any listeners out there the the somebody will play a solo for four bars and then the drummer will take four bars of just playing a drum solo and then the next person will take a four bar solo and it's still going over the chord progression of the jazz tune so it it's a cool time to like you have you know you're about to go and you're you can kind of play off what the previous uh solo soloer did yeah it's a it's really fun to, to actually be a part of. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what's a great jazz show you've seen? You oh, said Pat. Pat Metheny. Yeah, I would definitely say Pat Metheny. That's like one of the more highlighted shows that I've seen. Uh, mm-hmm. future, what, is, that, is that Future Man that plays with him? Am I thinking? Am I, I I'm not sure. Uh, trying to figure out who... Uh, seen so many they kind of run together but yes um pat was probably one of the highlights in terms of jazz uh the yellow jackets that was a really good show oh yeah um i really enjoyed enjoy them um they're they're newer right i mean they're yellow jackets no old 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 old. they've been around for a very long time i saw them in 92 i want to say okay that's not exactly what i mean by i guess my new my new is like anything pat metheny's still new in you know, compared to, uh, I guess I get caught up because I listen to a lot of like old, old stuff. Like, mm. Oh, I see what you're saying. You know, I, I see Miles Davis and I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Old. Yeah. 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 yeah Charlie yeah, Parker. Yeah. 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 No, 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 no. Okay. I see what you're saying. But, yes. Okay. So 90s that we can be clear 90s. Yeah. 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 Um, Cause they've got kind of, they're like, we've got a fusion mm-hmm. edge. Yeah. Yes. yes exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the yellow jackets, that was also a good one. I'm trying to think about like, like, yeah, I've mentioned in the past, like, like Pete, Tina Puente. Uh, oh yeah. That was a really good concert that I've been to. Um, oh boy. Um, trying to think about who else I would have seen jazz wise. I mean, like I said, most, most of the jazz that I would had seen, um, was yes, those bigger concerts. Um, but a lot of jazz that I was exposed to just on my own accord because I wanted to was going down to the, the local jazz club and just like I said sitting in the corner and just t- taking it all in. <laughs> yeah. If if you guys have a place to go see local jazz, I highly suggest it. even if you're not really into it, it's ext- extremely important that you expose yourself to the interplay that happens with jazz. Um, but that's just my two cents. Yeah. There are a lot of great, a lot of great places to see jazz in the cities. I don't, I don't know so much out away from the cities, but when we were in, when I was living in DC, I remember one of the great shows, at least influential shows on me that I saw was at Bohemian Caverns, which is sadly closed down now, but it's uh, on U Street. Um, I think it's around U and 10th. It's kind of near the, um, oh, what's the venue in? DC, they're big. DC, uh, 9.30? 9.30 Club, yeah. It's kind of close to the 9.30 Club. It's on U Street, and it has the, like, uh, curvy piano on the outside. With I think there's a saxophone, too. Okay. Um, you actually go, there's one door to, like, an upper-level bar, but to get into the jazz club, you go from the outside 
down this little staircase and it was decorated like a cavern oh. and they had like it was fake but it had like stalactites stalactites and stalagmites yeah and <laughs> had white cool. tablecloths and it had this little stage you know you're sitting like six feet from the players and i remember being down there i was in school and i had my, my little notebook and uh i was watching mark whitfield who's a great jazz guitarist um he went to berkeley like in the 80s i think but uh yeah i mean that kind of room is got so the energy is so so huge in a little room like that and they're you know sometimes there's only like 15 20 people in the room and and it's uh you know you make eye contact with the musicians and the right throughout the show it's just a cool it's a really cool experience i think i mentioned this on a previous episode but Right before Christmas, I was up in New York City, and I mean, I love love going to little jazz clubs in the village, like Smalls and whatever. Like you just yeah. see who's on, who's playing, like because there's a bunch of them, so you can. Oh, do I want to hear a sax player playing lead, or do I want to? This one's got a trumpet player. You can kind of pick based on the little description they put, but um, those kinds of gigs are always fun. But I did get to go see. Mike Stern play at a a nicer venue called the Iridium, which was like Midtown area. And uh, man, I mean, his whole band's just, he's so awesome and he's so nice. Yeah, and you got to talk to him. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I think I did talk about this on a previous previous episode, but because we're talking about concerts, yeah, it was a great show. Yeah. His bass player was, so, Tom Kennedy was so good on the bass. <laughs> and he... And he had Randy Brecker playing trumpet, uh, Michael Brecker's brother. And I mean, the guy was, the tone of his trumpet was so good. Yeah. It was just the, the whole experience of seeing a a legendary, some legendary musicians playing at a pretty classy, classier than normal jazz club was yeah. pretty awesome experience. That's, Yeah. I love going to concerts, man. Yep. <laughs> it's just so fun. I love it. I love it. I love it. I've There's got more out there. Yeah, I've got this book. So uh, for those of you watching on YouTube, since we do have a YouTube channel, um, I've got this book of concerts that I created uh, from when uh, I was younger. And just went to, I just, it's, it's funny because, you know, as I look through this book, it just brings this huge smile to my face to just think about, all these memories that I've had and all these places that I've been to, it's just, it's absolutely mind boggling to me to think about all these concerts that I've been to. Um, so my very first rock concert was um, Bon Jovi with Jeff Healy, the uh, blind guitar player. Um, he was in a movie called Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. I think I saw Roadhouse 2. Oh, okay. <laughs> long, long ago. Can't remember anything about it. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So that was my very first big arena concert. And I remember walking away from that. Like, I remember, I still remember it because I was probably 16 or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I remember walking away from that concert being like, wow, that was, that was amazing to feel that energy from so many people and to, to, to experience that hugeness and that's i think that was probably the spark of my beginnings of i want to go see concerts that's 
that started this huge fire in me of, I want to see as many concerts as I can while I can. Um, I was, and I wasn't even there to go see Bon Jovi, really. I was there to see more Jeff Healy. Um, I think my girlfriend at the time wanted to see Bon Jovi. But yeah, that spurred this whole thing inside me. Um, yeah, and even you, on this, like this one, oh man, there's so many on here. Um, so yeah, I saw Dave Matthews Band and uh, Big Head Todd. That was a very small, oh, yeah. that was a very small um, concert. Um, that was a, a place called Rec Hall. And that was right after Dave Matthews had released Under the Table and Dreaming. Um, yeah, so that was that was really I, I was the the opportunity that I was given at Penn State was pretty amazing. And I don't have it in here because I never actually went to the show, but at Penn State, there's this place called the Hub, and that's where everybody congregates and there's there all the eateries and everything like that. It's pretty much dead center of Penn State. And at the time, they've since completely remodeled the place, and it's a completely different um, place now. But there was a place called the Fishbowl, and it was upstairs. And it was called the Fishbowl because maybe it was 4,000 square feet, 5,000 square feet. It was just one big square, and it was a studying room, and it was surrounded by glass. And then Mm -hmm. they had hallways all the way around this square glass, and on the inside, it was all quiet where people could study. Uh, But they would hold concerts inside the fishbowl at times and i didn't know it at the time but these two groups had come through and and were playing and i was like oh these guys were cool but i was on my way to do something else Uh, so i didn't actually get to stay and see the concert but it was pearl jam and red hot jelly peppers (laughs) (laughs) and it was like very chill and very like low-key and there weren't like a whole lot of people there, but they were pretty much nobodies at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was those kind of opportunities God. that were around me most of the time. Um, so that it was kind of cool. I saw Hootie and the Blowfish, mm-hmm. Toe to the Wet Sprocket, um, Billy Joel, Aerosmith. Um, I was really, really, really into Tori Amos at one point. Uh, so I got to see her. Um, Boy, I haven't listened to her. Public Enemy, Ice T, and House of Pain. <laughs> yeah, uh, what year was that? Nineteen ninety-two. That was a good one. That was a good one. I actually got to see. Uh, I saw Snoop Dogg. There you go. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, that was fun. He's just got a great stage presence. Yeah, not my typical genre, but I enjoyed that thoroughly. Yeah. Uh, here's my Yellow Jackets, nineteen ninety-three. Okay. Uh, Weezer. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw Stevie Nicks with uh, Cheryl Crow. Um, and most of these concerts, I actually didn't go with anybody. I saw them all by myself, mostly. <laughs> sometimes that's the best. Yeah. Like, yeah. if you're with the right person, it's great. But sometimes, oh, that's cool. What year is that? He looks young. Yeah. It's uh, Pat Metheny. He was showing me a picture of Pat Metheny on his brochure ticket. Like if you're with people that want to like, they're more interested in talking and dancing and drinking and less like sometimes it can just be distracting. Sometimes it's just going to a show that you really want to watch and being able to just focus in is, is really nice sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this was uh, 2005. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's not that long ago. No, it wasn't too bad. Too bad. Yeah, there it is. Pat Metheny group. Yep, 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 yep. Marvin Hamlish, Tool with Meshuga. I saw Tool. Uh, yeah. All points west in New York City. Yeah, I'll never forget his drum like went up like this. You could actually see see him drumming. Oh, whoa. It was cool. Yeah. I saw Blink-182 back yeah. in Charlotte, North Carolina, oh, back, right. I don't know, eight, ten years ago. And uh, Travis, the drummer, they they actually like lifted his drum stage. Yeah. And had it like, tur- like you know, doing crazy stuff all over, you know, 30, 40 feet in the air. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. It, seeing Blink One Eight Two was a really fun concert. Oh, I'm sure it was. The energy is just insane in there. Yeah, and people like people want to mosh to it, but it's pretty happy music in general. Right. Yeah. Or maybe yeah, yeah. it's like kind of got some sad. Like the lyrics can be dark sometimes, but it yeah. still sounds happy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's got that that uh, party at a party attitude kind of feel. Yeah. 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 The drumming. The drumming is so good and. So fun to listen to in Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah, I've got oh Yanni. I saw Yanni. Yanni, I don't know who Yanni is. And I saw Yes. That was a good show. Um, Let's see, Megadeth. Mm -hmm. Um, Government Mule. That was a good one. I saw Government Mule at uh, House of Blues in Las Vegas. Okay, I saw them. They played at Duke um, back in two thousand and eight, I think. And I was wandering around and. I like ran into the tour bus and I had bought a shirt and Warren Haynes was standing there and he signed it for me. And I still have that shirt. I wore it. Yeah. I wore it so much that the signature is completely gone. Oh, like what was I going to do? Like put it in a case. Yeah. Yeah, Right. (laughs) Like I was like, he signed it. Right. (laughs) I wore that for years. Yeah. Cause I love, I love government mule. I love the almond brothers and I love, that Warren Haynes and and Derek Trucks came out of that and and seeing Tadashi Trucks was one of my favorite. Yeah. I've seen them twice. I saw them at Bonnaroo in 2014 and Lock-In Festival in 2016. Mm-hmm. And Der- or Tadashi Trucks is to me, I mean it goes back to like the Tom Petty kind of thing. Like as a band, their sound is so good. Like Everything sounds so right. Her voice, Susan Tedeschi's voice is like makes me melt. And Derek Truck's slide playing makes me melt maybe even more. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, now they have the like they have a horn section. Like they've got such such a gospel tinge to their blues and soul feel. Like it's just I love seeing Tedeschi trucks. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I see. I see Prince here. Prince was an excellent okay. show. That was a wonderful show. I saw him close. I was, okay. I think, tenth row for that one. That was a, their, his drummer was amazing. I'll never forget. He did this like weird thing where his toms were up here, and he was had these flip type of technique going. It was weird. It was very interesting. But and then and then yes, I've got uh, Danzig. Suicidal tendencies, and which is kind of funny because there's the bass player who now plays with Metallica, um, oh. and I've seen Metallica a bunch of times. Um, I was obsessed as a teenager with Metallica. Um, I followed them religiously 
was in the Metallica fan club and through the fan club, I got backstage passes and met them. Um, yeah. I mean, I remember being on the floor with <clears throat> in the pit and Jason news said coming down and me and me and him head banging together. And actually I knocked heads with him. And after the show, he was like, Oh man, you were intense. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a Metallica show and I've been following you guys for years. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. pretty good to bang heads with the guy. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I really enjoyed that. That was, uh, uh, a very big piece of me playing the guitar. Uh, I remember getting um, Ride the Lightning. I remember traveling to the neighborhood across from mine just to get a tab book to learn mm-hmm. how to play, you know, Ride the Lightning and Fade to Black. And uh, it was, it was, it was very important to me to learn how to play uh, licks like Metallica did. Um, so yeah, that was very influential. They, those guys. I I need to go. I don't really know where to go see a metal show around here, but I mean, you guys back long ago with Tony, we were talking about metal, and we did those mm. two episodes, and yep, like you were talking about the the feeling, like the raw power behind the sound, yeah, and I still need to experience that. Yeah, it's. Uh... It's intense. It's intense. And and just like for someone who's not accustomed to going to a jazz show and they're like, I just don't understand what they're doing and it doesn't really make sense to me and this isn't really music, you kind of have to sit down just like with metal. You have to sit down and just kind of take it in and try to appreciate um, exactly what's going on, the hours and and how they've pieced it together. And it, it may not be your bag. It may not be. Um, but to kind of just soak it in and try to appreciate what's gone into it is, um, it's important to be able to do that. Metal is, it's, there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, I think about the the sessions that I had with my band, Winterlong, um, and what we would go through in order to put those together versus something like, well, I can't really say Kairos because Kairos Quintet um, was a little bit different uh, and it was very professional, which was enjoyable. That's why I enjoyed the Kairos Quintet and all our sessions. Um, but much like that was the metal band that I was in um, and we would, piece part you know piece things together and go over them 50 million times because you know it has to be tight you don't want to be a metal band and be sloppy Mm -hmm. Uh, you have to get that technical ability down and each person within the band um has that technical ability there's no really one person that has that technical ability it's it's cumulative it's the entire band that comes together and does the stops and the breakdowns and it, there's, you know, speed picking and double kick going on and screaming, which people don't like, but there's definitely a technique to it. And it definitely takes a whole lot of energy to be able to do that for a whole show. And it's, 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 it's crazy. Now I, when I was younger, I would go to the pit, but not anymore. There's no way I'd even touch a pit anymore just cause I think it's in my old age and I am old. Um, 
for a lot of these <laughs> listeners out there. Yeah, I I think it's kind of stupid just go into a pit and beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> I'd much rather be on the side and just listen to the music and appreciate what the musicians are doing. That's yeah. just that's just because I'm a musical nerd. I understand there's people that go to concerts just for the energy. Uh, that's awesome. I totally get that. Been there, done that. But because I'm a musical nerd, I'd much rather just kind of pay attention to what they're doing musically on stage and how it's all put together. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, along the lines of like the uh, metal shows, jeez, uh, Milwaukee Metal Fest is the one that stands out for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the same as it was back then then um there was this place called the eagles auditorium um and it was it was something out of a horror film it was i can't describe it i really can't it is by far the best venue i've been to hands down and i don't know that anybody else would be able to experience anything like this it was a dilapidated building um actually half of the building was actually condemned because it was caving in. I'm surprised that we even had the concert there in the first place. Um, It was very cool because it had three levels. It had the first level. They completely painted everything black. And I mean, everything black. Um, And that was a huge, like, concert stage above that they had another um double stage i believe it was and then on top of that they had this dome looking like almost like the shining type of um decor it was very like victorian and very weird like eerie type of thing and they had like a, a balcony that went all the way around and it was very odd but anyway Uh, And there was a bowling alley downstairs where we did all the interviews and that's where it was roped off and they had caution signs. But because we were who we were, we were like, okay, let's go, let's go beyond the caution signs and like went into this. It was straight out of a horror film. They had like these locker rooms that like the fluorescent lights were like flashing and like the locker rooms had been like completely like destroyed and papers all over the place from like the 1970s. And then if you went back behind that, there was like this huge room with a swimming pool that was like caving in and it was like messed up. It was messed up. (laughs) I, I, I loved it. It was great. And anyway, I, I went back there twice because it was so cool. Um, Milwaukee metal fest had people like, I saw death there. I'm seeing uh, pictures here of Chuck Schuldner. Um, You know, I saw, oh, there's so many bands that I saw from this. Um, Actually, the first time that I went, I went with, at at the time, Gary Owen, who was my my guitarist, and then the drummer, uh, VJ. We all went because VJ had, um, he was part of the metal show that was at Penn State at night. So he got press passes so we all went out to milwaukee metal fest to do interviews for the for the radio show uh so we got to meet and greet like cradle filth and mashuga and all these high profile people at the time um i got pictures of venom um got all their signatures um talked to them actually had really extensive um 
interviews with them, uh, just all these high profile metal bands at the time that, you know, at the time they weren't huge. Uh, Death was definitely getting there. Meshuga was definitely getting there. Uh, Cradle Filth was definitely getting there. But these were people who were just getting their, you know, foothold in the metal scene at the time. Um, Iced Earth. Uh, boy, I, I, I should try to go through this book and try to figure out how who all these people were um, at the time. But yeah, it was um, a amazing, amazing experience to be able to go see that Medi. Uh, it was a two-day Napalm Death, Disembodied. It's, it's, I, I definitely want to see you, Incantation. Uh, I definitely want to see you go see a, um, a metal show, Joe. I think and, that would and be... And report back. Yes, and report back and see what you're... Um, what what you have to say about oppressor? That's awesome. Um, yeah, uh, I would I would like to. I need to figure out where and when they've got to be out there. I just don't exactly know where. But um, yeah, obituary Exodus, awesome dude. These are like ah, oh, I want to go back and see these bands. <laughs> yeah, your your enthusiasm is incredible. I need to Broken I up. need to see what you're talking about. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, concerts. I mean, again, it it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning. There's Bob Dylan, um, smashing (laughs) smashing pumpkins. I'm just like flipping through pages. Um, The G3 tours with like Joe Mm -hmm. Satriani, Steve Vai, Ingve Malmsteen, uh, Eric Johnson. Um, No matter what concert it is, uh, it's just you know, it's it's concerts are. There are a memory. Oh, here's the Eagles. I saw the Eagles second row. Um, Guar, I've seen them a couple times. Um, Stone Temple Pilots, Def Leppard. Um, it, it's here's my uh, signature from Robbie Krieger. Mm-hmm. Um, going to see him at a very, very, very small, small venue. There were probably ten to fifteen people there, and I go in, and there's Robbie Krieger and his band playing. You know guitar and i got to sit down with him afterwards and chat with him for a good half an hour and just talk about the doors and him and what he was doing and it's it's awesome i love going to see concerts i love the whole experience i mean it doesn't matter what kind of concert it is no matter what you're going to walk away with a memory i mean i have so many many memories of just concerts and concerts and concerts and each one has its own kind of thing whether it's megadeth or you know or if it's yanni or if it's marvin hamlish i have in here as well piano player comedic uh, comedic piano player um it doesn't matter what it is Uh, you're going to walk away with some kind of experience and be able to be inspired that when you go home you have something to pull from um whether that's writing or you and your band and being able to put a show together that that all plays into it man I, yeah your enthusiasm is awesome i i feel like i could go i think i could fill up a whole episode with festivals i yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. i would say the 90 percent of the shows i've seen have been at festivals largely because when you go to a festival you like see 40 acts in a weekend yeah um yeah i think that yeah festivals the, too i mean even a lot like Lollapalooza. So I'm, yeah saw sound garden and the ramones and mm-hmm. <laughs> they're good i mean the only thing with with the festivals is is if you have multiple stages you always are you know with that conflict of, and choosing who do i go see <laughs> that, right 
I mean, and, and that kind of gets into some of what I wanted to talk about with, with festivals. I guess here we go. We, we did, I've been to uh, All Points West in New York City in okay. 2009, and then I went to Firefly in 2013 and 2015, Bonnaroo in 2014. Wow. And lock in in 2016. Awesome. Um, and I'm looking to figure out what I'm going to do this summer. But yeah, yeah. Um, I well, try to do one big one a year because it really like helps keep me in touch with who's up and coming, mm-hmm. where the bar is right now for certain genres. But each con each festival has a very different vibe. And having been to a lot of them, okay. like I mean, Bonnaroo was just like Bonnaroo blew Firefly out of the water for me. Okay. Why? Um, why? Why? Firefly, you can't camp inside and you have to, it's in Dover, Delaware. Okay. And I mean, inside is very cool. It's, you know, there's all these big clearings in the forest and they have all kinds of lights in the woods and, you know, it's got at least four big stages and everything else. But yeah, not being able to camp in the actual festival site right. means that you've like, if you want to have, if you want something to eat, either you're paying high prices for the same, especially fireflies, like the same eight food stands everywhere. Right. And it's expensive. If you want to have a beer, it's like overpriced beer and it's the same choices for the same prices everywhere. Right. 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 You know, and walking back to your tent could be like, it might take you an hour to get out of the festival, walk around the stadium, the, the NASCAR stadium to your mm site and then you got to go through back through security it's just a pain right whereas bonnaroo you go through security to get into the actual onto the farm this is in uh manchester tennessee about an hour south southwest of nashville okay and security is actually i saw some people having their cars searched and all kinds of stuff like there's some serious security getting in although it seemed kind of random to me but once you're in you know you're in. You're in, and yes, you have to walk through like a like a checkpoint to get into the music areas. But I mean, it's nothing. It's like volunteers. Is it? It's, it's easy to go back and forth from your tent to your. Is it close enough that when you're when you're camping, is the music close enough that you can actually hear it from your camping area? You. I mean, it just sounds like if you heard a. I remember growing up, I heard the marching band at the local school. Like you can just kind of hear the general noise in the distance. Okay. So there is a a little bit of a track between the camping and the music. Yeah. Cause you, it's not Bonner's just so big. It's a big farm. Okay. There were 80,000 people there. It's big. That's uh, so fun. Yeah. I mean, fireflies, I think 60,000 it's big too, but um now, are you allowed but, to bring like all your own food and stuff like that? Yeah, and that's part of what I like so much. And it's got like unique places throughout Bonnaroo. It's got there's this one place where you can get this awesome food that you can't get anywhere else. There's this one place where the beer is a little cheaper. Okay, you know, whatever it is, and there's literally no security. Like, or maybe I shouldn't say that out loud, what, but once you're inside, once you're in, yeah, like right, 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 right it's right. just like a big kids playground. There's yeah. Arts, crafts, music everywhere. Incredible musical lineups. I mean, there's so much music. It's just nuts. I mean, and a lot of festivals are like this, but Bonnaroo has a pretty diverse, because it used to be more of the jam band kind of festival, and it's gotten so big that when I went, it was like Jack White, 
Kanye West and Elton John were the headliners. Oh my gosh. None of <laughs> none of whom I'm that like I mean I would yeah, just say Elton John. John. Elton John was great. Yeah, I would uh, say Elton John. Jack White was actually really fun. Yeah, I yeah, I can imagine. Really so. enjoyed that and didn't expect to. Yeah. Didn't really know what I was getting to. But you know, still Umphreys McGee played and Tadeshi oh, okay. Trucks, but then like Flaming Lips and Skrillex wow. and wow. John Butler Trio and like everything from Sunday had a lot of bluegrass, like big Yonder Mountain String Band, Green Sky Bluegrass. It really spans the gamut. Wow. Um but all that being said, Lockin is the best right now, in my opinion. Okay, why? Uh, Lockin is smaller. It's like 20,000 people. Okay. Where's it, where's it located? It's near Charlottesville, Virginia. Okay. Um, so it's also the most conveniently located <laughs> right. for me. Right. But being smaller, it's just got one main stage all day. And you can kind of like camp out with your chairs I mean, it's the most laid back, the most nuanced, like, there's not much commercialization at all. Okay. Um, camping is, it's that much easier to walk to your campsite to, like, go get lunch, sit in the hammock for a little bit. Mm. And having one stage is pretty awesome. You know, Bonnaroo, if you want to see everybody, you're, like, in the back of one show, mm. and then you're zipping over to see somebody else, and you end up in the back of that one. Yeah, it's a lot of work. And, <laughs> yeah when i was at lock and i fish played two the headline two nights mm-hmm. umphreys and ween maybe it was ween was actually the headliner one night and i doesn't even oh tadashi trucks headline one night but fish the last night played a double set and i spent all day working my way up and i kept thinking i was gonna go to the bathroom i went like i saw gary clark and like wow. i was like right at the front by the time i saw gary clark jr yeah yeah and then fish came on i was like i can't lose my spot i was by myself <laughs> my whole group had left me and yep, yep. i had like a camel back on and i was like sitting down in the middle of you know fifth row five heads back from the stage and i saw a fish play they played for like two and a half hours and yeah. i was like from me to you uh, from trey playing and like i could see his fingers i could like it's just it's like you were saying earlier about being up close Mm-hmm. Lockin's the kind of festival where you can get that close consistently. I did. I mean, Bonnaroo, I've gotten really close. I was really close to Sublime at uh at and Chili Peppers at Firefly. I mean, okay. I've been up close to those, but you do that, you sacrifice to get there. Right. You might have to get there. You might miss an entire concert and you're just pushing forward with nothing on stage for right. two hours. Right. And then you got to go to the bathroom. The whole thing is a bizarre experience. Yeah. Like if you could have, if someone could come up with a portable, like way to go to the bathroom, it would be better than a bottle. Yeah, I was going to say it's a, it would be a bottle. <laughs> very helpful. But uh, yeah, Lockin's just laid back. Lockin has the best combination of the best jam band kind of scene music, jam yeah. band, Southern rock, blues, rock, and the size it's just got the best vibe for me now for okay so most of these are going to be multiple day events correct bonner is four days wow. firefly wow. is three or four now wow. Def, i think firefly is four now um lock-in's only three okay. far, i think although maybe it's getting big enough to be four now yeah see i've never done a four-day event i i think that would be the you'd have to go with the right 
people. That's yeah, for sure. you got to get the right people. Yeah, you got to get the right people to be able to do something like that. Uh, you need would, people who are open minded, like about their musical. Well, generally, if you're going, going to a jam bandy kind of, uh, I don't want to typify anybody, that's for sure. Uh, don't give me any angry letters. Um, but I would say that generally, if you're going to go with a jam bandy kind of vibe, that that is the kind of person that's generally going to be open to camping out and yeah, being, yeah. being dirty for a couple of days, <laughs> not, mm-hmm. worry, not worry about showers and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, I would totally do that. I would do that with a good group of people or I would even do that on my own. I would. Yeah, that would people are great. super nice. Like yeah. we've adopted people into yeah. our groups. Like there's like random one or two people beside us or rarely by themselves, but you know, yeah. there's like a couple that came and they, happen to be camping beside you and you just kind of you know there's always acoustic guitars and yeah djembes and stuff around and you're yeah. co- you know we bring the big shade canopy and a camp stove and chairs and oh that just sounds i mean like that's also fun. if you like my wife didn't camp growing up and like i explained to her like camping having fun camping is half the battle is knowing how to camp well right like if you just go out there with nothing it's gonna be crappy but if you show up with all the good you know good food and a way to cook it chairs and comfortable sleeping like thermarest sleeping pads and a good tent and you know how to put the tarp under it right so you know if it rains you're not going to get wet like right there's some obvious things little camping skills can make the the whole experience way better yeah yeah absolutely and uh and that's you know it's not just the festivals. It's not just about the music. It's, it's really having a good group and having, it's all the, all the jams around the, the tent and all the like crafts and arts and all the other stuff, like just literally wandering around a giant farm in the middle of Tennessee or in the middle of, in the mountains of Virginia. Yeah. Like, Beautiful alcohol, weather, alcohol and drugs. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, there was one I did. Uh, all points west in New York City. It rained hard oh, one day. I remember seeing so fun. It was absolutely fun. It was one of the most fun things. Like I saw the Black Keys in two thousand. I guess it was nine at that, and like didn't know who they were. Yeah, and like it was just a mosh in the mud like not like an angry mosh but just right, everybody's right. jumping up and down in the mud and at that point you just don't care yeah people are like sliding in the mud like running and diving and sliding in the mud and yep like it's an awesome way to see a show yeah crowd surfing yeah i've crowd surfed my way up to the front of the stage and been ripped off by one of those security people at the front and <laughs> they'll just like funnel everybody i mean so many people are doing that they just funnel you they're just trying to get you safely off the crowd. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of the way. And you have your, like, moment of glory. You're, like, two feet off the stage. You get to walk by, and you're looking up at the band. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I yep. actually lost I lost my phone doing that. Oh. I, like, get done, and it had fallen out of my pocket while crowd surfing. And yeah. I was that phone is probably immediately panicked. In the mud. <laughs> I, was, I ran. I retraced my path, and somebody's, like, I was asking about it and somebody had it and gave it to me. No. I got way. it back. Now that like thousands of people and I had retraced. I was I knew basically 
I knew where my friends were, and I knew it was a pretty straight line to the stage. Oh, wow. That's and I just kept, anybody seen a phone, I was just crowd surfing, lost my phone, and somebody's like, this one? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That's a needle in a haystack right there. Yep. That's funny. Wow. That was during, I was watching Incubus at, uh, that was at the Ooh, DC Chili Cook-Off. That would have been a good show. They were, they were awesome. That was Incubus Cake. Oh. Um, yeah, it was a cool... You know, like a one that was a one day yeah. thing at the old RFK Stadium in Washington D.C. Yeah, they had, I don't know that they do it anymore, but it was you know music and, uh, and they had actually they actually had a chili cook-off, and you can go and they had fifty hundred chili people. You could buy chili. Wow, um, festivals are the best, man. They they are just. I mean, a concert is. Uh, 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 a venue concert where you sit in a seat or you go to a little concert hall and you or a bar or something like that and you find yourself a table and you get drinks and all that kind of, that's that's definitely fun and intimate and there's a lot of, i know we were saying this at the beginning that's you know i prefer that but now that i think about it eh, you know, <laughs> there's no real one is better over the other because you get a different experience from each mm-hmm. you know you get that intimacy and you get the you know you can go to the bathroom anytime you want. <laughs> you get good yes. food <laughs> anytime, and it's only a couple hours. Um, you get to go home. But at the same time, festivals are amazing because you get, you do get that camaraderie with people around you, and you're all there for the same reasons. And um, you get to see a bunch of different good talent. Um, people you've never heard of beforehand. And absolutely. you come out of a festival with like 10 new bands that you're excited about. Yes. It's like the biggest musical extravagant, like – it will if you're not excited about the music you've been listening to, you go to a festival, you come out of it with a whole new mm-hmm. excitement about the the music scene, the contemporary music scene. Yeah. Yeah. Finding new people you've never heard of. And yeah, it's just it's oh, love it. I love it. I love it. Concerts are wonderful. Yeah. This has been a great, great topic to uh to talk about. This has been one of you know, it's not so technical, just yeah, something that we obviously enjoy, and we've seen a lot of different types of music, and they all have their their benefits and downsides. And mm-hmm. if you here. if you guys out there have concerts that you uh, want to talk about or let uh, you know share a story, let us know. Um, yeah, I I would love to to hear what you guys' stories are. Um, any of them throughout the years uh concerts are are fun and obviously you know they're enjoyable they excite you and for good reason there's a lot of energy within a concert and uh, they keep you kind of wanting to come back for more and more if it just weren't so damn expensive <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah. yeah you can go to local shows for pretty cheap mm-hmm. you don't have to go pay a hundred bucks to go see a single act yeah, right. Yeah. You know, and if you break down how much a festival is, if you see, if you go to Bonnaroo and see even just 30, 10 acts a day, that's 40, 40 shows for about 400 bucks. It's, it's about $10 a concert. It's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, it, go out and support your local music. Um, us musicians, obviously, we all know we don't make a whole lot of money. Um, and I, I know it's, 
you know, musicians talking to musicians saying, go out and spend your money, <laughs> yeah. but I don't have any money. But uh, yeah, the more that we do that, the more that we can thrive. Um, it's it's um, important to support each other. That's for sure. And sometimes the local shows are maybe the technical skills aren't as crazy good as the best bands in the world that you see at a major festival, but the energy can sometimes be just as high you know, a band playing for their friends at a local venue can have just as much excitement and enthusiasm as a big stage at a at a big concert. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like like you said, you know, you may be going on your way to somewhere and traveling through the fishbowl, and all of a sudden you see this band labeled chili peppers and pearl jam you're like i never never heard these guys before i wonder what they're all about and you you might pass up an opportunity just check out as much as you can yeah thank you for tuning in for another episode of fret buzz the podcast we definitely appreciate it um hit that subscribe button hit that bell if you have any suggestions or you know anybody who wants to be on the show, let us know through fretbuzzthepodcast.com. Uh, fill out the uh, inquiry there and uh, we'll get contact with you. Yeah. Y'all have an awesome, awesome week and I'll see you next time. Yep. Absolutely. We'll see you next Thursday. All right. All right. See ya.